chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's go there. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Beginning with verse number 4. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with verse number 4. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 is where the Lord would have us to hear from him on this day. And here is how the word of the Lord reads. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your might. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our mission statement here at the bridge says we exist to develop fully devoted followers of Christ in a multi-ethnic context. This statement explains our existence. However, we cannot stop there. We must also ask and answer, what does a fully devoted follower of Christ actually look like? In other words, the question that we must ask ourselves as we seek to develop these fully devoted, devoted followers of Christ is, what are the marks or distinguishing characteristics of a fully devoted follower of Christ? What, what does success look like? How do we know we are accomplishing this mission for which we exist? Here at the Bridge Church, we believe there to be four marks of a fully devoted follower of Christ. First, we say that a fully devoted follower of Christ is one that loves God and loves others. A fully devoted follower of Christ loves God and loves others. A fully devoted follower of Christ is also a learner of Christ. That word disciple literally means learner, student, pupil. It is one who follows in order to learn so that they can become like the master teacher. So we love God, we love others, we learn of Christ. But then we believe here at the Bridge Church that a fully devoted follower of Christ lives by the Spirit. 
Rather than living by the flesh and all of its desires, we are led by the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who leads us, guides us, teaches us, convicts us. And then we display the fruit of the Spirit through love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Y'all know all of them. And so we sing that a fully devoted follower of Christ is Spirit-led. And then finally, we say we believe here that a fully devoted follower of Christ leads others to Christ. We must reproduce ourselves. It is our goal to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And so these are the four marks. We love God, love others. We learn of Christ. We live by the Spirit and we lead others to Christ. If you need some help remembering, get you some coffee. Love, learn, live, lead. It's on there. And hopefully in the future, we will have other ways to help you remember these. And so for the next four years, you now have the theme for every year. Fully devoted followers of Christ, our focus, our emphasis for 2022 is to love God and love others. And so for these next two Sundays, this Sunday and next Sunday, I want to deal with this first mark, love God, love others. This is what Jesus said is the great commandment. On these do all the, the laws and prophet hang. It's to love God and to love others. And this is what Moses gave to this generation in Deuteronomy 6 that is about to enter into the promised land. He gave them, he's in verse four, four, he says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so the first thing he does is he identifies the Lord. Who, who is the Lord? He, and Moses tells his people, I want you to know who it is that you are obligated to, covenanted to. And it is the Lord. Verse 4, he, he, this, this is known by Jews even today as the Shema. It, it, that word in Hebrew means to hear, which is where we get this idea of Shema. It, it is still and was considered the most essential confession of Jewish faith. Both now and then, it is recited twice a day by faithful Jews. And so God here, and Deuteronomy is calling his own people to hear what he has to say to them as they prepare to enter the promised land. They are to hear his commandments about what it will take to express their allegiance to him and therefore enjoy prosperity in the land. The first lesson that they are to learn in verse 4, is that the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
The, the Lord himself opens this section with identifying himself and reminding his people who he is. He is Yahweh. You, you remember this is the name that God gave himself to his people through Moses at the burning bush. Moses is there at the burning bush speaking to the Lord. The Lord has told him to go to Pharaoh and tell, tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And Moses said, who am I supposed to tell them has sent me? What is your name? And there the Lord says, I am who I am. One Old Testament scholar says that this I am who I am, Yahweh, Yahweh, it means he causes to be. I like that. In other words, he, 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 he is letting us know that he is the first cause of everything that is. Nothing happens without God's direct intervention or his permission. He is the first cause of everything. He caused all of creation. He caused our redemption. He caused our justification. He caused our glorification. He, he, he is, he causes to be. But that name Yahweh, not only does it mean he causes to be, but some say it can also be translated. When, when he says Moses to Moses, I am who I am, he also, it also can be translated, I am who I will be. And I will be who I am. That got me a first time too. So I'm going to give that to you one more again. It can also be translated, I am who I will be, and I will be who I am. In other words, God was saying to Moses and to his people and even to us that he will be God to them and for them faithfully in all places and at all times. He was letting them know that there would never be a time when he will leave them or forsake them. He was letting them know that there will always be a time when he is with them and there will always be a time when he is for them. He will always be who he needs them to be to them. He is the Lord. When they are in slavery, when they are in slavery, he's a deliverer. <laughs> when they're hungry, he'll be a provider. He, 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 he is who he will be. And he will be who he who he is. I, I, I like that. I like it. If I didn't have a whole nother message to preach, I'd just hang there for you and tell you that you ought to give him some glory that he is who he will be. Who he was yesterday, he'll be today. And who he is yesterday and today, he'll be that forevermore. That's why, that's why we can say, oh, you know what we ought to say now? You can hold to God's unchanging hand. <laughs> He, he is who he is. So he is Yahweh. And so before they even enter, get ready to go into the land, he says, you need to remember who I am. That, that, that'll get you through some hard times and some struggles and some trials and some tribulations. That'll get you through. I am who I was. I am was. I am is. And I am will be. Moses here in Deuteronomy 6 reminds the people that Yahweh is our God. He is our God. 
That, 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 that is a clear declaration of loyalty. He is our God and there is no other God for Israel. He, he is their God. Then he has the nerve to say this. The Lord is one. And oftentimes, and rightly so, rightly so, we immediately think that this is talking about God, them being a, a people who serve a monotheistic God. He, he is one God. They, they, they are not polytheists. They don't serve multiple gods. He is one God. But however, the question that this text is tailored to teach us is not how many is God, but who is the Lord? That word one means unique, only, alone. The, the Lord is unique. He, he alone is Lord. In other words, he's in the class all by himself. There, there is nobody like him. He's holy. He's set apart. No, no one can compare to him. None can rival him. He's unique. Not, not, not only does that term one speak to the uniqueness of God's character, but it also speaks to the uniqueness of his relationship with his own people. He has a unique relationship with Israel. If we, if we skip ahead one chapter to Deuteronomy chapter 7, Verses six in the following, we will see, we will see this uniqueness of the relationship. Look with me at Deuteronomy chapter seven, beginning with verse six. It says, for you are a people holy to the Lord. The Lord, your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples of the earth. It was not because you were more in a number than any other people. So in other words, it wasn't because you deserved it that the Lord set his love on you and chose you for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He says to them, you are a special, unique people. You are holy. You are chosen and you are loved by me. You have a unique relationship with God. They are loved by him. They are his covenant people. He is the Lord their God. So we see clearly that God, even in this unique, special covenant relationship, is the lover of their souls. So if God is the lover, what then is the duty of the loved? I, I'm glad you asked. That comes in verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. There it is, spelled out clearly, the duty of the love. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. 
This is how we respond to the love of God. We respond to God's love by loving him. We love him because he first loved us. But, but, but I hear my concrete people at the back saying, but what does that look like practically? We, we are, let me help us that first of all, I think to love God, what it looks like for us, first, we are to love God exclusively. We are to love God exclusively. I don't think I'm making this up, and this wasn't just a bright idea of Brandon. I think it's in the text. Remember, I told you earlier that Israel has a special, unique relationship with God. He has entered a covenant relationship with them and no one else. He is their God, and they are his people. He chose them out of all the people of the earth. They have an exclusive relationship with the Lord. Therefore, they are to love him exclusively. In other words, no other God is to receive their adoration, praise, and honor. What this gets to the heart of is that there can be no idolatry. That's why he told them in chapter 5, you shall have no other gods before me. God, they must know that God is a jealous God, and yes, he has the right to be jealous. So to love God, beloved, is to reject all idols. To love God is to be a destroyer of any idol in one's life. To, to love God is to even be aware that our hearts are idol factories. And so we guard our hearts with all diligence, for, for, for from it flows the springs of life. We are to love God only. There, there is no place in the believer's heart to worship God and anything else. All right. What are some areas of life that you are prone to idolatry? Let's bring this home. Jesus helps us a little bit. Here's some of the things that he would say to help us. He would say, no man can love two masters, for he must love the one and hate the other. What is mastering you, beloved? Jesus went on to say, you cannot love God and money, which means that even the pursuit of money through work and careers can lead to idolatry. And we done got the nerve, <laughs> we done got the nerve to make this, this, one, this one particular temptation something that we, that we, that we adore in people or admire in people. We, we call it a workaholism. Been a workaholic, and, and we like, ooh, ooh, they, 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 ooh, they work so much, and they work so hard, and now we admire that. And when honestly, it may be a symptom of idolatry. So he said, you can't love God in money. 
Jesus said another area where we are prone to idolatry is, is he says we must first, we must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We must seek first the, the, the kingdom. Somebody say kingdom. Y'all not supposed to be talking with the mask on. Kingdom, 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 the kingdom of God, which means that we cannot love God and country the same way. Beloved, because we love God, that means we will be faithful citizens of the country we abide in. That's what that means, but we can't love them equally which I think this means you cannot love God and the Democratic Party in the same way. You cannot love God. I'm coming for you too and the Republican Party in the same way. And Dominic, I don't even know what he is. Well, whatever you are, you can't love that and that and God in the same way. Seek first the kingdom. But we're also prone to make our idols of even the world. Now, that's why John said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, love not the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. I could go on and on and on here, but, but, but the point is clear. We are to love God exclusively. Not only are we, what no one does it look like to love the Lord exclusively, but we must also love God obediently. Now, now, now some, I may get in trouble with some crowds because I'm preaching obedience. And they get mad at me because the, what they say is I'm preaching legalism. If that's the case, then Jesus was a legalist. Obedience is only legalism is if you are, are obeying God in order to earn God's love. Let, let, let me get back on track real quick. We'll come back to that. Remember I told you that the first word of verse, four is, of verse four is Shema. It means to hear. This, beloved, is not just some call to an auditory function. The call to hear is, the, is a summons to obey. So, so they ought to hear these words so that they may obey these words. And this, this, beloved, teaches us that love and obedience are a bond that are not to be torn asunder. I, I got to give that to you again. I thought y'all would really like that. Love and obedience are a bond that are not to be torn asunder. To love God is to obey God. We obey God because we love God. We obey God because we love God because he loves us. Is this not what the Lord Jesus himself talked to his disciples in John chapter 14 verse 15 when he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments? So then I think the inverse of that is that disobedience is an unloving act towards a loving God. 
this made such an, such an impact on the disciple John, the apostle John, that he wrote in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. To love God, we must obey God. So let me ask you, child of God, what area of life is God calling you to greater obedience this morning? For some, it's in the area of, oh, this one's hard, loving your enemies. For others, maybe God is calling you to a higher obedience in forgiving as God has forgiven you. For others, it may be in the area of humility because some of us are proud of our humility. <laughs> Y'all funny. For some, let's get quiet. Everybody gonna get quiet here. It may be in the area of giving financially to the local church. Did he just say that? For, for others, it may be in loving your wife as Christ loved the church. For some, it may be submitting to your husband as unto the Lord. Brother Antonio said that one. Actually, it was the Apostle Paul. For some, he may be calling us to obedience and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Especially, uh, and I'm primarily talking about when we're not providentially hindered. In other words, I, I am getting towards treating the gathering as an option, as a take it, having a take it or leave it attitude. Whatever it may be, whatever area it may be, Love God by obeying God. We are to love God exclusively. We are to love God obediently, but we are also to love God absolutely. That word absolutely means without qualification, reservation, restriction, or limit. Brandon, did you just make this up? I wish I could have. But the Lord gave that to it in verse 5. He says, love the Lord your God with all, or there it is, your heart and all your soul and all your might. Absolutely. The heart, that, that, that is oftentimes equated with the mind. It is the seat of one's emotion, intellect, and will. Beloved, in other words, our thoughts matter to God. That's why when I pray, I say, Lord, forgive me for even my sinful thoughts. Because if y'all just knew some of the thoughts that ran through my mind, y'all be like, this man could never pastor me. Oh, but thanks be to God, even my thoughts were nailed to the cross. Hey, hey, hey. But we got to be careful even what we think with all our heart. Then he says, with all your soul. That, that refers to you being an actual living being, being an actual whole being, a person. And then he says, I want you to, to love the Lord with all your might. That's with our physical strength and abilities and capabilities. We ought to serve him. So he says we ought to love God absolutely. We, we, this, this, this refers to your whole person, your whole being. Every aspect of our life is to be brought under the lordship of God. 
There is to be no part of our being that is withheld from loving God. I'm done. I don't, that's why I only had two verses, because I simply wanted to give you one message this morning. Love God. Love him exclusively. Love him obediently. Love him absolutely. I could even, if I would have, I could even add on love him supremely. Ooh, that's higher. That means above all else. That, that, that means above wife, husband, children, boo, bae. Dang, I wish I would have thought this earlier. I could have said boo, bae, and babies. For a good Baptist preacher, we ought to love God with all of our hearts. Beloved, what was true of Israel then is still true of us today. Israel was loved by God. And so too today, we, the new covenant people of God, are loved by God. John chapter 3, verse 16, you know it. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, thank you, will not perish but have everlasting life. God loved you so much that he gave his own son. That's how much God loves you. And so what then is the duty of those who are loved so much by God? Is to love him in return. And so we, we love God even today, exclusively, obediently, and absolutely. Today, we are to show our love for God exclusively. And so that means the application for some of us is we need to identify the idols in our life. And then when we identify them, we got to destroy them. Tear them down, never to come back together again. For some, the, 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 we need to apply this by repenting this morning of our idolatry. For giving place to things and people that is only reserved for the Lord. We ought to obey him exclusive, but we are also to obey him obediently. For, for somebody, you need to take 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, which it talks about obeying the gospel. Somebody in this room or on this live stream, you need to love God by obeying the gospel. How do I obey the gospel? By putting all of your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Belief, we are called to believe. We are commanded to obey, to believe. And so for somebody, we need to obey the gospel by believing in Jesus Christ alone for forgiveness of sin. But furthermore, all of us, obeying the gospel is not just a one-time thing, but it's something that we do for the rest of our lives. The gospel has implications for every area of our life. 
And so even today, we are called to love God obediently. So where is God calling you to obey him? Now, we are called to obey all his commands. But how do you know what his commands are? He has given them to us through his word. And beloved, that's one of the reasons we are engaged in a church-wide reading plan because I want us to be a church that is biblically literate. We have to know God's word so that we can obey God's word. And even, even if you haven't started the reading plan, the great thing about this plan is there are no dates on it. You can start whenever, wherever you are. Somebody, you may have started, and just like the rest of your New Year's resolutions, they've gone by the wayside. God is still loving. He still wants, he's still in a, a, a special relationship with you, and he invites you to still get in your word. So we are called to obey obediently, and even today, we are called to obey God absolutely, without restriction without limits. And we, if we are honest, there are areas of our lives that we have essentially, functionally told God, this is off limits. I, I will not, I cannot obey you in this area. And so for some of us, the application is, it is now to take the off limits sign off and give this to God. Because we love him. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5 shows us that it's not enough to just sing of our love for God. It's not enough just to even tell of our love for God. But we must love him wholeheartedly, exclusively, obediently, and absolutely. That's the first mark of a fully devoted follower of Christ to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Father in heaven, thank you so much for entering into a relationship with us. Not because we deserved it, not because we've earned it, not because we've merited it, but because you first loved us. It was your, it, it was your own good pleasure that you chose us to be in a covenant relationship with you. And for that, we say thank you. And so now, Father, we ask that you would forgive us for not loving you exclusively. We confess that we have not loved you obediently. We have not loved you absolutely. Lord, in the very next verse, you said you wanted this to be, to be written in our hearts, to be impressed upon our hearts. And we know that without divine intervention, our hearts are deceitful. And so we need a new heart. And so, God, we thank you that we've been given a heart that can obey you and that can love you. 
God, would you create in every one of us a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit. God, forgive us for all of our sinful faults, our sinful acts, our sinful attitudes, and our sinful actions. Help us, God, to see the areas in our lives where we have told you off limits. And help us to bring everything under your lordship. Lord, we love you. And our heart belongs to you. We surrender to you this morning because we want to be in our striving to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ in this multi-ethnic context. It is in the matchless, marvelous, majestic, miraculous name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray and ask these things. Amen and amen.